How's it going out there, Internet? This is Eric Cormier of The Bean Holes. Just wanted to give a few notes before this week's show gets underway. Um, this week's show is a bit different than what we're used to. Usually we take a topic, one topic, um, do a, about a half hour of you know news and, and what's new in nerd culture or what's on our minds and then get into um, a, a topic. This week... Me and Nate just kind of got together. We were just driving in a car and we just started recording. So it is split into two parts. Um, so I didn't want to freak anybody out on the uh, on the content and and that we're changing our our uh, setup here. It's just you know one week of of just me and Nate going off and and shooting the shit, if you will. Um, next week we will keep going on with our normal. Uh, set up as, as far as topics go, but we are going to be reaching out to you, the audience, to start choosing topics. Now, there are a few ways to get a hold of us, um, and, and I'm not sure if everybody knows that, so this is just kind of a message. We do announce this at the end of the episode here, but I wanted to put it at the beginning just so you know. So anyway, we are on Facebook, and we do listen to our messages. Um, we've received messages from fans. We appreciate all of the love you've given us and we want to extend an olive branch out to you to be more a part of the show. So we are on Facebook, we are on Twitter and you can email us at beanholes at gmail.com. If anybody emails, Facebook message, tweets us a topic they would like to see done on the show or something done further. I, I've gotten messages before about like Five Nights at Freddy's, um, episodes on Minecraft or Mojang themselves, episodes more on uh, obscure Marvel characters. Um, starting this year, if you f message us, tweet us, email us a topic um, and give us a name, you will be the uh, kind of the the honor of the episode. You will be kind of the sponsor. Um, the episode will be dedicated to you. You will be uh, named out there or, you know, whatever nickname you want or however you want it set up. So we're, we're just reaching out to the fans and letting you be more a part of the show. You get to choose the topics. Um, of course, we will have topics more um, closely to certain events. You know, when Civil War is coming out this year, we're going to have an episode talking about the Civil War comic books. When Batman Superman is coming out, we'll have an episode more on that. Um, that stuff we don't like to avoid because it does give us, you know, even though we are taking advantage of something that's being heavily searched online, it just gives us, uh, you know, a chance to to talk about something and, and be a part of the hype and, and whatnot. So, but for any of the moments like January, February, there's not much. We want to fill up that time with topics you guys want to hear. So nothing is off bounds. Nothing is is off limits. We will at least decide everything. So Facebook us, tweet us, email us, beanholes at gmail.com. All of that awesome is out of the way. Um, also want to give a big shout out to Audible. Their Audible trial is still going for the beanholes. You can try it out at audibletrial.com slash beanholes. Go there, sign up for the 30-day free trial. Uh, you do have to put in your credit card or, or if you have a mother or a father, use your parents' credit card. Don't steal it from them. Just, you know, let them know. You get a free 30-day trial of the Audible service. If you don't like it, cancel. Cancel right before the 30 days. 
Audible will understand, but guess what? Even after you cancel, you get a free book. And Audible did send us an email. The full Harry Potter book series is now available through the Audible service. And I believe you can use your free book to get one of the Harry Potter books. So everything from the Sorcerer's Stone to the Deathly Hallows, all of them are available right now at Audible. So that is my pick this week. I'm going to pick um, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. That's my pick of the week. Um, me and Nate are going to start that too. We're going to start picking Audible uh, books for you guys to try out. Uh, the service has been a success so far through us. Um, so thank you for all your, your support, um, and, and the love. If you want to help support the show further and you're not really into audiobooks, that's no problem. Go over to iTunes, search the bean holes, give us a star rating and write a comment. Let us know how you like the show. And even if you don't want the public to be out there, you can use one of the other methods, tweet us, email us. Uh, Facebook us and just let us know. We we read that stuff all the time um, and, and we enjoy, we respond to you guys. You know, we want to be more inclusive with our fans or anyone that listens to the show for the first time. So don't be afraid to, uh, to reach out to us and let us know how you feel. So uh, we have a big 2016 planned um, and we got a, a lot of stuff coming out. So just stay tuned. Next week, we are going back to the to the to our normal format, but don't be uh, surprised if a few more times throughout the year sprinkled, we just, you know, it's just me and Nate shooting the shit in a weird location or, or whatnot. It's going to happen, so uh, don't get too upset. But, all right, uh, enjoy the show. The bean holes, it's Eric and Nate, the bean holes, they're really pretty great, so shut up and listen to them talk. Now I'm recording and it sounds pretty good. Or it looks good. Oh, yeah. Tested it? It's showing some waveforms here when I talk. Awesome. All right, so uh, we're in a car. Yeah, different, uh, more mobile than we're usually subject to. I apologize for any road noise, but that should uh, just lend some authenticity. Enjoy this authenticity. This is real here. This is guerrilla podcasting. Yes. That's what... You'll also hear some jungle noises in this the background is, from the gorillas. Ma- this is Magilla Gorilla podcasting. I like grape ape. Yeah, I uh, I taught uh, a 90s cartoon class today at uh, at the school. And uh, for the first week, it was just kind of a setup for the, for the 90s cartoons. Yep. You know, starting where the... Where cartoon, you know, where animation was theatrically in the 30, you know, from the 30s, and then it got to Hanna Barbera, where I showed the kids the, the Winston cigarette Flintstones commercial, <laughs> yeah. and they were shot, they were like deadpan, and I said, well, Ed, like advertisers ran television, that was it. Yeah. Um, but then I was explaining to them how Hanna Barbera, like their whole platform was just like be as cheap as possible. So that they could make as many shows and like they would just reuse so much in animation. Right, um, right. You know, so I showed them a, like a Flintstones uh, uh, driving cycle. I'm like, hey, can you guys count how many times they pass by that house? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that's what happens. That's uh, that's pretty cool. It's um, it's interesting comparing like the. The early American and I guess European uh, animation studios 
Um, and like that, that was a cost saving measure to just kind of like have have the background just repeat over and over again because who's really paying attention that kind of thing versus like anime where they'll you know a lot of the there's not as much movement you know a character will just stand perfectly still and only the mouth moves while they're talking and um and you know or 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 no movement whatsoever even at times like a close-up of a face with like a the starburst background and just they're just like oh oh, oh yeah oh. yeah and if you even look at you know to go back to Hanna-Barbera for a second like Scooby-Doo is a good, good example where the characters are doing the almost the exact same thing in each episode they yeah. have the same walk cycle the same running animation and even like the talking the up the up close they just kept using them, and it was ge- it was genius. And I told the kids, like, yeah, people kind of knock on them for it, but that's why they're popular. Like, they made, yeah. a, like, so many great shows at a time. Um, and then on Friday, I'm going to get into the fact that the 80s was run by toy companies. Like, every big show, yeah. and especially, I can't wait to talk about He-Man, where um, you, you saw, you, you remember Small Soldiers. Yes. And that's essentially G.I. Joe versus He-Man. Yeah. And, like, the... You know, this one toy creator just has all these designs, and they're like, ah, just throw them together, like, make up a story, and that's it. And that's kind of what happened with He-Man, is they just had all these designs for toys, and they'd go like, all right, make a show around this. Yeah. And they did, yeah. and it's it's crazy. Yeah. Same with the Transformers. The Autobots and the Decepticons are actually based on two different toy lines. That's why there, there are toys that just transform into a gun. Yeah, it was Megatron. Yeah, like, like a lot of the Decepticons were were smaller objects, and um, and the Autobots were automobiles. <laughs> and um, yeah, we for America for America, they were like throw it all together. Yeah, that, <laughs> and like that's said. it. Went it went from advertisers to realizing like the only true way to get money out of animation is toys. And even today, if, if your show can't really go out into the, the world of products and be yeah. successful, then it's not considered a success. Right. Uh, very rare times. Um, like SpongeBob, for example, of course, you know, was a big hit in, you know, like on you know, the ratings. But then him on products, you put his face on everything and it sells. Yeah. Fairly Odd Parents, for, uh, on the opposite end, does well enough in the ratings where you don't really see them on products. They've never really yeah. hit it like Adventure Time has, you know? Right. Um, but, so it's not as prominent today, but you still find those those few sh- examples where um, a show could have, like, decent ratings and a good cult following, but just have no products, and it just, you know, for certain eyes, they're just like, who cares? Yeah, yeah. Um, I... I just, I think it's really cool that, that at a middle school level, you're able to teach, like, to, you're able to teach a class like this, um, whereas, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that a lot of people scoff at, like, even looking at into detail on things like this at a college level, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but it's... It's a great way of, of talking about things that, um, you know, of, of grabbing the interest of people 
with the, with the subject matter, but talking about things that are, are universal and timeless in the way we tell stories and, and make our entertainment. Yeah, the, well, the first thing I showed them was Steamboat Willie. I, and, and not that that was... I told them, like, this isn't the first animation or the first anything, It's uh, other than being the first appearance of Mickey Mouse, but just to show you that at the time, people would just, you know... Um, kind of roll into a theater, like, pay five cents, and it would just be on there. Right. And no one would have thought that in 2016 it would have been a culturally significant cartoon. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I showed him my, one of my favorite Looney Tunes uh, shorts. It's uh, one frog remembered. It's the one with Michigan J. Frog. Yeah. You know, where the guy finds the box... It's a frog that dances goes, and yeah, sings Hello, my baby. It. Hello, my... Yeah. <laughs> and then every time he goes to show somebody else, it's just a frog, and it makes the guy go insane, and it's one of the <laughs> it's one of the greatest anime, you know. And, and the kids ate it up, and that's just the most rewarding thing is uh, is just that, you know, you're showing them old stuff, but they're they're digging it. Like, yeah. And that's why I can't wait to get into the 90s. I already said, like, I'll, you know, I'm going to show you a little of Beavis and Butthead. I'm going to show you a very... PG example of like, hey, this is South Park. This is why it, you know, why it was popular when it was, and you know, not of course show them anything that was bad, but just explain like, you know, they they know what South Park is, but yeah. why is you know this is where it came from in the '90s? Because it all just fits into the narrative of the '90s were a Renaissance period where finally creators could actually just create. They could just make up you know the stories without being told. Hey, you have to incorporate this because we have a toy, or you know we're sponsored by this, so you have to add this into like you yeah, know, yeah. It was just... the first. It was the first time in a long time that 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 was kind of they let up on the reins on that a little bit, just because more content was needed for more channels. Right, right. So, um, all right. So we mentioned Transformers. Uh-huh. Uh Two two pieces of news came out of Michael Bay. Um, one's really cool. One people you know are gonna be like kind of negative at the, the negative one is that he he is he did confirm he's directing transformers 5 yeah um but did like very seriously say this is his last time and even though he said that for three and four um he said like he's like i'm totally serious this time guys. yeah he said even like jj abrams um said like just do one more that's it like yeah you know so he's he's being very public that this is his last one and, and changing the changing the guard if you will um but I think he's doing this one because the feeling is that they're going to try to make a broader universe of Transformers. Like, this is going to be the movie that opens up the door for maybe G.I. Joe Transformers movies and, um, yeah. you know, connected universes and all that stuff. So, uh, I, I know, I know. It, uh, it, the, but you know what? The idea of a G.I. Joe Transformers movie is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the Rock and Optimus Prime just yeah. partner. No, up. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with it. Transformers, I, I wouldn't care if it was... See, for me, I did, you know, I did grow up with Transformers. I actually, I was really, really poor, so I, I was more into the GoBots because those were the toys my parents could afford. And that was like the Kmart of the Transformers. Yeah. Um, and, uh... <laughs> so, anyway, the, uh... The fact is, like, Transformers was always for kids. And, and... Even though they're throwing some shit in, obviously they're playing on nostalgia, and they also definitely try to play on on adult male sexual appetites as well because they put in some fucking eye candy there just for the guys. 
I guess just for anyone who's attracted to women. I, you know what? It, now that I think of it, their treatment of that is also very adolescent. So I'm sure that even even that, as much as we don't want to admit it, I mean, is calculated to, for for the. It's still for eight year. I mean, yeah, like or at least right. for boys. Ten, you know? Like ten year old boys are going to watch Transformers and go like. You know, Megan Fox is going to be their first big yeah. like boner, <laughs> and it's going to be along the way of all this action, and, and so yeah. that's. It's like I don't know. Yeah, I'm. This is crazy action, and and some. I have a funny feeling. And I like the Transformers movies. I don't, because you know what? It's just one of those yeah. movies. The franchise itself is just you go, you shut your brain off at the door, you go enjoy some action. It's Peter Cullen yelling out some cool shit to yep. Megatron. And yep. that's that's it. Like, I don't, you know, people... Peter Cullen's definitely my favorite vampire from the Twilight series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, anyway, that, that was just a reference for our, for our Twihards out there. <laughs> uh, don't be such a Twihard. Um, but, uh, wow, I just realized I'm really... People that I know that listen to the podcast often are like, Nate, you uh, you don't you don't talk a lot. You let like Eric talks a lot, and it's like you're just interviewing him, which I don't agree with. I think I, I tend to ramp up, and I think a lot of people listen to 10, 20 minutes of our podcast and shut it off. Um, yeah, we gotta <laughs> kind of like three hours of wrestling. That, that you gotta get you gotta catch them in that first twenty minutes. If you don't, then they're gone. So, uh, hmm, okay, we'll, ha- we'll have to remember that for our production meetings. Yeah. Um, but, uh, excuse me. No, I, I do just want to say, like, it's... I, I don't understand the people who are so obsessed with, like, Michael Bay sucks because Transformers movies are all about explosions and cool visual effects because I don't know what it ever was all about other than buy these toys and look at these cool explosions and effects we're doing with the cartoons. Yeah, yeah I, the <laughs> cartoons were not, like, these glorious pieces of art that, you know, have been passed down from generation <laughs> to generation. They were fucking robots that turn into cars and attack other robots that turn into weapons. Yeah, it's not it's not Michael Bay's Hamlet. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but people, which I would be interested in seeing. But you way. know what? The people who get the most pissed at it are the ones that didn't really grow up with the original Transformers. I feel like most, I, at least from what I've read and people that I've talked to, anyone who's like an adult male, like older... They just don't mind him, but yeah. it's the younger crowd that gets really pissed off that ah he ruined Transformers and he ruined you know Ninja Turtles even though he didn't direct that. And yeah, no, nothing you know. As, as <laughs> he he didn't make like the the Ninja Turtles movies are not anything like the comic book. So if you're a fan of the comic book and not the and not well, the, the f- animated show, then then. That, some of the that, visual styling at times. That yeah, first, but that first movie though, that the very first one from 1990, yep. is uh, almost a shot-for-shot remake of the first three comic books. Yes, yes. Um, uh, toned down, of course, with the violence, and then added in a few elements from the turtles that people knew in the 80s. You know, yeah. like the colored bandanas and kind of the attitude of the characters but, and the pizza, loving pizza, you know, loving pizza. Um, but. To, to give credit to Michael Bay, the other part of the story was that um, this new Ninja Turtles movie, which already, like, to this point was turning out to be really cool, um, adding 
not only Bebop and Rocksteady, Baxter Stockman, all these characters that we've never seen in a live action movie. Casey Jones, we've never. Um, Casey Jones no, was in was, the first yeah, movie. he was he was in all three of them. Um, but all right, those three characters never seen them in a live action movie movie before. Now on the forefront of this new one. Yeah. Uh, Michael Bay during an interview about the Benghazi movie that he produced got a call from his visual effects artist and they were talking about Krang. Yeah. And the visual effects artist was asking them how many tentacles it, like it should have. And yeah. Michael Bay said, I don't want a lot on him. I don't want him to look like an octopus. I'd rather have you know, less is more. Yeah. Think of the one from the 80s. Like Michael Bay was citing the source material yeah. of Krang um, the two arms controlling the robot. Yeah. The guy cares, at least, that it it generally looks like it. Yeah. Um, and then, so not only did he kind of semi-confirm, uh, pictures that, you know, anyone can go find online kind of leaked of the toy sets of the Turtles. Yeah. And not only is there a Technodrome toy set, uh, there is Krang in a body that looks pretty much just like the one from the cartoon. Very cool. So. I, and I got... I got Again, with, with Turtles, with Transformers, what people... There, if if there's if there are people that are, like, that have high expectations from these movies, it's because they they connected with the stuff on some level with, you know, with the, with the cartoons, whether it's Ninja Turtles or Transformers. You know, they liked it, but grew out of it fairly quickly. Right. That, that's that's my take on it. You know, some people really loved it and and kept paying attention to it as their, you know, as as they became more capable of, you know, looking at it uh, in a more in depth way, um, and are able to see like, okay, well, it was always stupid. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, but people that that like part from something and then come back because of that. Nostalgia as a selling point for for a movie. Th this is adults or older teenagers at the very least, uh, but definitely a lot of adults as well, coming to these movies and expecting the same feeling that they got from a cartoon when they were like seven years old and eating spaghettios and like this was the coolest thing they had ever seen in their life up to that point, and nothing is going to to do that. No movie based on something that is aimed at children is going to give that feeling. And to then an adult. when you when you do, people criticize you for being too similar. <laughs> well, no. The fact is, if it was exactly like if it was just exactly m another season of Ninja Turtles, and the exact like looked exact, you couldn't tell it tell it apart from from. You know the last. Well, few I'm not episodes, even saying like it wouldn't. It w definitely wouldn't do it for anybody. And no, I was saying more in like that. Like you're saying that feeling. Like yeah. The you know of course that was kind of an aim at some of the people complaining about Star Wars, where you oh, again I, that yeah it's, it's, I have this feeling as a kid watching those original movies and the prequels come out and you're like I don't have that feeling anymore and then comes along a movie that at least. You know, yes, took some beats from the first one, but but gave you that feeling again, and you criticize it. Yeah. You know, on the other side of the spectrum, I saw that Michael, you know, uh, Michael Bay's Ninja Turtles, which he produced, not directed, um, and I walked out, and as a Ninja Turtles fan, I said, you know what? It's not the worst movie I've seen. I'm not a big f three absolutely blows. 
every like I, that movie just absolutely sucks. Um, you know, the time travel one. Yeah, where the, like the suits. Each Turtles movie, you can see the downgrade in the suits. Yeah, and the third one. And that's just, so weird because it's like, why didn't like just take care of them from the first movie and use them again? Yeah, don't, don't yeah. make stuff that's shittier. Because even in the second one, the suits got a little bit shittier. They got more colorful, but yeah. it just looked, you know, but whatever. I, I honestly think by the third one, they were using the one. Did you ever see when the Ninja Turtles were actually on Oprah? Yes, the rocks, the rock stars. Yeah, I, I honestly think a relationship with April O'Neil. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, I honestly think that they were using like the live touring. Uh, you know, turtle costumes by by the t- like they just used those in the third movie. Yeah, I saw that movie as a kid, like at five, and I hated it. And I, <laughs> you know, and when I got you know early teenage years, I gave it another watch, and I disliked it. And as an adult, I gave it all right. I'm back in the Ninja Turtles. I'm gonna watch it again. Still, you know, and I said all right. Every generation of my life, I have hated this movie. <laughs> I know there's just at this point, it's no win. But anyway. Um, I walked out of the, the newer movie and I said, yeah, the villain was a little bit cheesy the way that they set it up. Yes, a little bit too much uh, Megan Fox. I like that they brought in some characters from the cartoon. But the writing between the, the turtles themselves, I don't care how they look, because no one's going to tell you how a mutant turtle looks like, you yeah. know? Um, <laughs> But I thought the writing between them was spot on, and that's what mattered to me. Yeah. Like, it, it felt like they were the Ninja Turtles. It didn't feel anything different. So, you know, people with their criticisms, oh, there's too much Megan Fox. Like, yeah, but that's not what matters, really. Right. So, I don't know. Um, did, I, she, did she have red hair in this? No, nah, I mean... Was it just like a slight, like a kind of a red wash on her dark hair? Just to- yeah, yeah, that's kind of what it is. Like in yeah. some lights, it would just seem a little red, but it definitely wasn't April Did, O'Neil red. Didn't they do? Didn't they at some point actually do the yellow jumpsuit? She had a yellow jacket, yeah. Oh, just the just the jacket, okay. Yeah, she just had like a yellow jacket, which every incarnation of April April O'Neil, they've uh, you know always kind of poked fun at the yellow jumpsuit. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> That that was that jumpsuit was like the most '90s thing about the cartoon, honestly. Yeah, it's like because that that's like uh, Rob Liefeld and you know a lot of the stuff that was going on with Marvel Comics in particular. It was like it was all about just getting pockets everywhere. Who who cares if it looked good? You know, and she basically was in she was like in in a cargo jumpsuit. She had like go-go boots and a white <laughs> and a yellow jumpsuit. And I, I didn't notice as a kid, but I've seen some of those episodes. They they drew her with huge tits. Oh yeah. And you didn't really see that 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 much in cartoons back then. But I was actually shocked at some episodes the way like the the angles were. Like oh my god, <laughs> they knew what they were doing, making the you know for boys. But um, yeah, it just so. gave me confusing feelings about turtles. <laughs> I don't know. If you looked down at the turtles, uh, they, they got the anatomy right. <laughs> but um, all right. So you uh, you walked in today when I was watching um, Making a Murderer, yep. which has been it, it, it's been a slow burn. But uh, this documentary series debuted on Netflix on December eighteenth, and this is January sixth right yep. now, seventh. Yeah. Um, and. This is just everything everybody is talking about now. It's 
Yeah. I, I haven't, and this, you know, it's just kind of um, not really peer pressure, but when everybody is talking about something, you're like, okay, I got to, ch- I at least got to check it out. Yeah. And I got hooked. I started it yesterday, and I pretty much finished it today. And um, I, you know, do do you remember? I mean, do you know what the the kind of the basis of the documentary is? I actually don't. I've I you know I heard about it, just like the name of it, and I kind of got the basic idea from like, oh, it's a documentary, and it's called Making a Murder. Like that's all all I really know. Oh, okay. Um. Well. Uh, the, the first episode is free on YouTube. So anybody listening, you can just check out the it's full hour. Um, and the first episode is essentially this guy in the 80s. Let me just say, just for the people who give a shit, I mean, I don't even know why people would keep listening to our podcast if they really care. What? And also, it's been scientifically proven that we love things more. We enjoy entertainment more when we actually already know what's going to happen. But I'll just say, potential spoilers ahead, depending on... Not really. I'm not going to... Like I said, this one's free, and the first episode is literally just a setup for every other thing you're going to... Doesn't even matter, though. I'm just just saying it, because I've had people, like... I'll, I'll be like, oh, man, did you catch that episode of Game of Thrones? I'm really upset about what happened. I won't say what it is, though. And, and, and people pissed. are like, how dare you tell me that something happened? So uh, I hope that clips there. <laughs> Did you see it. that episode of Game of Thrones? Really boring. Nothing happened. <laughs> it was just a security footage of the inside of one of the, the brothels. <laughs> security footage. <laughs> anyway, uh, some guy in the 80s, uh, they, they set up this story where essentially just this small... Wisconsin town just hates this. Like, there's just one family in town that owns a salvage yard, yeah. And just they're they're so different from everybody else that they they hate them, yeah. Um, and that one of the sons, you know, he's a troublemaker, but he always admits to what he does, and you know, it does his time, whatever. Um, some woman, like three miles away, gets r- raped and beaten by a guy, mm-hmm. and the. Like, the way everything was done was that the police, like, you know, they heard the description. Someone who hates the guy goes, oh, that sounds like Stephen Avery. Yeah. Oh, that's, you know. So then the the officer doing the sketch, like, finds an old, um, an old like, uh, prison photo of him. Yeah. Like, when he was booked and draws the sketch of him, shows the woman, does this look like the guy that raped you? She says yes. Yeah. So they keep flinging his name around, and she wrongly convicts him. He goes to jail for rape. He has a full alibi of the whole day, like, yeah. and they were just like, ah, oh, it's all lies. And the courts, like, you you, fought, you you hear just how manipulative the courts were, and just like, we don't want to hear anything. We don't care. Like, this is the guy, and that's it. This guy goes to jail for 18 years. Wow. 18 years before, like, finally... Um, you know, they, they knew it was this other guy, this other guy, you know, who was on the run, but then all of a sudden this DNA evidence, they, they found the case like, oh, this other guy is in there and they let him out of jail. He sues the police department, you know, the sheriff's, you know, uh, department. Um, and a year after he's out, like right as his, I think like a week before his trial or the, the thing goes for the, the suit, he gets convicted of murder. And, of course, the same sheriff's department's fingers are on everything. Yeah. 
and that's essentially the setup of the, the like docu. You know, this is ten years worth of wow, and it goes through everything. Like, yeah, at times it gets really into the court stuff, but there were episodes that you know, of course they they end with something they want to continue. Where I would just mouth agape, going, "Holy shit!" Yeah. They, I mean, even his lawyers found evidence, you know, because their whole suit is, like, trying to prove that uh, the sheriff's department had no cause to be a part of this. They were told not to. The state lied and said they weren't a part of it. And they found evidence and stuff that just made you go, like, huh, wow, what's going on here? And it just, it's a roller coaster. It's, yeah, I I wouldn't, I mean, I'm checking out to anybody who has Netflix and, Okay, cool. I, I want to use this as a jumping off point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we're going to take a break, right? Yeah, yeah, we're going to okay. take a little break. But um, when we come back from our little break, uh, then I'm going to I'm going to use make a, making a murderer as a jumping off point to talk about some things. It's it see it sounds to me like this is yet another very good example of how fucked up many of the systems are that we kind of take for granted and assume work well yeah uh until we're caught in their gears uh i ironically a week before this guy gets convicted of murder uh, a bill passes uh, under his name (laughs) from the last issue that that nobody would be like wrongly convicted like to try to stop the same thing from happening and then oh man okay so we'll be uh we'll be right back all right Oh no, a commercial is here. Ah, don't worry about it. Uh, just a quick reminder, go to audibletrial.com slash beanholes. Get your free 30-day trial of the Audible service. And if you don't like it, it's no problem because even if you cancel, Audible through us is giving you a free audiobook of your choice. You don't even get forced on audiobook. You get to pick one. And just a, a reminder as well, the entire Harry Potter book series is available through the Audible service. That's right, guys. Everything from the Sorcerer's Stone all the way to the Deathly Hollows are available right now on Audible. So audibletrial.com slash beanholes. Now on to part two. All right, so we're back from whatever the fuck we did, an Audible commercial, or maybe we started doing MeUndies or something. Uh, I wish. Um... <laughs> I just would love for them to send me a pair just so I can then go. First off, I mean, they're pretty expensive for one pair of underwear. No shit. And, yeah, that's kind of the, the deal there. Yeah. <laughs> but um, if they sent me one pair of underwear and it, like, changed my world as much as they say, I would probably continue to buy from them and then just talk about their shit for free. Like, <laughs> you don't even have to sponsor the podcast. just... Just send one pair of underwear. It doesn't they say it's the size. only underwear you'll ever need. Yeah, but so. like, as expensive as it is, it makes me wonder, like, are they say is it, like, so expensive that you'll buy one pair of underwear and never need another pair again, and it's just that well made? They're like, it's, uh, it, it avoids shit stains, it avoids <laughs> pee stains, it avoids smelliness. You'll never have to take it off. Well, without all of that, I, I would need a whole new identity. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so anyway, we were talking about uh, making a murderer, dude getting railroaded into a, a, allegedly or apparently false convictions twice. Right, right, and that's you know, and th- like this now, you know, and this happened 
his the 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 murder one happened 2005 and was like within trial in 2007 and was a very public you know trial yeah and it, it's the surge of traffic that this story is getting and you know the prosecutors from the case coming out and saying ah oh, the the documentary left things out the defense attorneys coming out and going well yeah they left stuff out from us too but there you know it wasn't important <laughs> um, you know the, the filmmakers came out and said uh, you know because there were some like even the family of the girl who was murdered they were like you know it was, were, you know, they they went to everybody they went to the prosecutor and said can we interview you can we interview you and the guy kept saying no at every chance and now he's like well, I was never asked to interview and yeah. Um, and the filmmaker said, "Look, we like, we didn't pick a side. We presented what what we had, like you know what we could film." And so, yeah. But um, so so I'm I'm glad that that the that documentaries like this and like like Serial, which is like the biggest podcast ever. Um, yeah, it's been thrown around a lot, like the name, the podcast name. Yeah, and that was a similar thing. It was it was sort of an, an investigation into someone who, basically, the case against them was was kind of flimsy, um, and and so they didn't even they didn't take a stand in that you know in in that podcast. Like they didn't come to the, the end. A lot of people were pissed off because they wanted the, the reporter who put it all together to be like, okay, and after my full investigation is complete, I now declare that there is no way in hell this guy did it. But but it was an investigation, and just like it, it's, she's a reporter. You know, she, yeah, yeah. she looked into it, and she said, I, I just, I don't have any idea, but it's, it just wasn't a very solid case, and there's, you know, a lot of inconsistency and, and everything, and and that's what kind of sucks is that, for me, you know, when it comes to, like, guilty, not guilty, yeah. f- for, you know, if I was ever on a jury, for me to give somebody, especially in a murder case, a guilty verdict, like, it would have to be, like, beyond a shadow of a doubt where there's not even a chance, a wiggle room of, like, possibility. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, that's not how some juries work with people where it's like... We just kind of want to get out of this room and, you know, there's at least enough that we could say he did it and it's fine and yeah. it's just, it happens to a ton of people. And yeah, I, I think a lot of people are very easily convinced and also, um, I don't know, it really, the idea behind our judicial system, behind our jury system, especially when it comes to, to murder, it's like it has to be beyond a shadow of a doubt is like the the quote that gets thrown around a lot. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> beyond a reasonable doubt. Reasonable doubt yeah. well, a, a lot of people change it to beyond a shadow of doubt when it is like a death sentence. Yeah. Um, and and that is how I would feel myself to like to put someone to death. I, I don't want a doubt. You know, I, I but uh, but the you know the whole judicial system, jury convictions, it's all supposed to be beyond a reasonable doubt, which what, what does that mean? That's really up to each of us to come up with for ourselves when we're in that position. But um, but the problem is the way we see things, the way we see investigations go on TV, that's not how things really work. Um, the, 
you know, ultimately, it's it, it often is whoever has the most money is is the side that wins in any kind of court case. Yeah, pretty much. Because um, because money equals how much fight you have in in on your side. You like know? in in this, there's a there's a point of the story where they're the the state is pulling out this test that hasn't been done in ten years. Uh, this like DNA test. Hasn't been done 10 years, and even when it was being done, it wasn't reliable. So, like, the FBI has to all of a sudden do this test. They haven't done a decade, and they originally go, okay, it'll, it'll be like four to six months before we get the evidence, yeah. you know, past the trial. And then they have it within a week. Right. And it's like, well, how much fucking money did you have to throw at these people for them to produce you something in a week? It's just, it blows your mind at that kind of stuff where... You know, especially like with juries, it's that's one part that I think has to change, and I, I get it. You know, it's everyone's civic duty, but when you get somebody in there who doesn't really want to do it, how are you supposed to? How is that fair to the person on trial? Yeah, you know, if they have jury members who are just moaning and groaning that they have to be there and they just want to go home, and and they're not listening to evidence, paying attention, they've already made up their mind probably based off one piece. Yeah. That's not. Yeah. Uh, well, know, I, not, I think I think that's a flaw in the system, but I don't yeah. know that there's I, at that part of it. I, I, I'm I really don't know. Well, it's such a toss-up. That's what I, that's what I'm saying yeah. is that yeah. you never know. You know, it's supposed to be a jury of your peers, and, and it's kind of it's supposed to be random, but you never know what you're going to get. It's a grab bag. You can yeah. get a you know a jury of twelve people who are going to pay attention and take this seriously. You might get one where. You're only going to get a handful of people who are taking it seriously, and yeah, you know. So, but to to me, the the jury system isn't isn't the real big problem. The problem comes with, um, first of all, the fact that our our whole prison system, or virtually our entire prison system, is is a for profit enterprise. Yes, where you know private companies run it. And 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 those companies uh, contribute to political campaigns, and the you know the, it it's just it sucks that our our judicial system is it, it in my opinion it should not be I should, I want to say it is my belief not my opinion it's my belief. That our justice system should not be something that benefits the people running it. Like, our justice system basically should be a burden to society to an extent because it's about, it, it's about dealing with some of the biggest, you know, the, the outliers, the people who are causing a problem for society. And it's society coming together to try to... Um, to make things better for virtually everyone, <laughs> sometimes even including the perpetrator, but it's like to try to fix problems in our society. Well, it's essentially adult timeout. <laughs> like when you really break it down, it's like you are not allowed to do this. We're going to put you like when you tell a kid you're not allowed to watch TV, play video games, go sit in the corner. Yeah. I'll bring you your food to you. Like that yeah. is essentially prison yeah. for adults. And, yeah, and if you're a parent. You know, if the family that that you know the parent has to put a kid in timeout, 
that's not because the parent loves doing that, that they like punishing the kid or they get off on they it or it benefits them. Do, yeah, it's to stop, to. yeah, it's to stop something. Negative reinforcement. Exactly. But also, for adults, it's like, you know, if a guy does, commits a crime, yep. how is, you're just going to be behind bars for three years. Like, how does that really reform him other than the fact of like, well, I don't want to go there again. So, like, yeah. but there most- definitely are there. There are other countries. There, there are some countries, especially some some European countries, that really have be, because they don't enter punishment into their equation at all for how they deal with crime and criminals. Pun. It's not about punishment. It's not about retribution or revenge. It's entirely about reform. And and the and because they're able to do that because they're they're um, you know they have generally it's because they have a high wealth um, per person in their country yeah uh, and they're able to kind of there's not as much struggling for resources as there are as there is even even in America like and at the for the middle class and the lower class we are. Uh, in you know, very much in competition with each other. Yeah, pretty much. Like, and it, it fluctuates, and yeah, uh, kind of the, the the prison system is almost for for some people who are in the the lower class, it's perpetual. Yeah, like there are some people out there who would rather be in a prison than be out, and and you know they have nothing out here. At least in there, they get three meals and a, and a bed to sleep, and yeah, you know, semi warmth, like. And and for others, I, I've seen stories. There was even one John Oliver did about prisons, where there was a a guy who was like, you know, he got out, he he got a job, but then his parole officer like wouldn't let him like keep the job. Like he had to be with the parole officer. So it yeah, was like, the, like meeting the parole officer happened. Parole. He wouldn't let him schedule it at times that didn't in, that in, that didn't interfere with the job, and so he it cost him the job to meet with the parole officer, and then. Because he didn't have the job anymore, he was violating parole. Yeah, yeah, and it was. I mean, I'm sure you saw it too. It was just a wonderful because he actually brought the guy on to the show to interview him. Yeah, and it's he's like I was destined, like I was set up to fail and go back to prison. That's exactly what it was because then he would get in trouble with the parole officer for not having a job. It's just like a weird turn. You know, it just keeps going. It's a hamster wheel. So that's where I think the failure, like. You you shouldn't want that. You, you know right. you should. I there. I think there should just be more talking in prisons, kind of like how they have in, in psych wards a little bit, and not not treat everyone like they're psychotic, but just like kind of talk to them. You know, yeah. Set someone up with each person. You know, or, or have appointments and just make sure that every prisoner gets talked to. Like, hey, more, you want- more social work, less less. Uh- Less less punishment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and this isn't even an opinion. It's a fact that there's there's no reason a prison should be just for profit. You know, there's... Yeah. Like, that attitude shouldn't exist. Yeah. It's not they, even my opinion. I mean, that's just a fact. They, they shouldn't. That's... Uh, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, and anybody who, who disagrees, I encourage uh, encourage you to contact us. Um, because we'd love to have more of a discussion when we get into serious things like this. We'd love to have more of a discussion. We're certainly not experts. No, no. I mean, we're just two regular, 
Two people who hear things on the news and comment yeah. on them. It's... I I certainly you know I we do we work with kids at times as part of what we do, <laughs> and uh, and at least for me that means I do a lot of thinking about about this stuff and about you know about what the public school system is setting up for the kids and and for the ones who the system isn't working for think I you know I do a lot of thinking about how could it be better but other than just thinking about it I don't have any particular expertise yeah um, and even like the I I find that in the school systems there's there's a a nice amount of not nice. There, there's an unhealthy amount of people who shouldn't be working with children. Yeah. Who aren't fit or able, but they fill a role. And it's it's like a, a kind of a domino effect a little bit in a way where, you know, you're being negative to the kids. How does that set them up? Like, how does that make them, you know, uh, respect you or, you yeah. know... Yeah, all this expectation of how they should act, and but then you're being mean to. I don't know. It's just yeah. a very weird. Yeah, and and it's it really is amazing sometimes with you know how having you know knowing one or two people can can completely make or break a kid. You know, a, a person uh, for the rest of their lives. Sometimes. Um, and uh and so anyway, let's get off of this serious shit. Yeah, jeez. Back to the goofiness. <laughs> the goofiness. Yeah. Uh yeah. Um no don't know what I just found out today cuz I watched it. <laughs> what? <laughs> um that I think I mentioned it to you right before we started recording, but um we talked about how uh, President Obama was on uh, WTF with Mark Maron. Yeah, uh, the, yeah, he you did know, the Mark Maron's podcast. Um, and let's see, he's uh, did Jerry sign? Jerry yeah, well, that, that's the, what I just found out today was that he also did um, comedians in cars getting coffee with Jerry Seinfeld, um, and it was it's kind of funny. Again, spoiler alerts, spoiler alert, because there are potential spoilers ahead if you care that much about this. But, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was it was kind of funny because the whole thing normally is like, you know, Jerry is he's he starts it off with like, look at this car, I'm driving this crazy awesome classic car, and it was made by these people, and this is why this car is really cool, and talks about that for like two minutes, and then. He picks up a comedian, and they go and get some coffee, but mostly they just drive around and talk. Yeah. Um, Does he pick him up at the White House? <laughs> well, I want you to think about this. When does the president just get to hop in one car and just drive around? Never. Exactly. So were there two <laughs> Secret Service guys in the back? Um, no, it was... They, they didn't even... They, they don't even really get to leave. It's, it's. I mean, he's he set up a few things that were, you know, very Seinfeld, but obviously set up shots. Um, he's, uh, is like okay. <laughs> he comes up to the front gate and he just like waves and comes straight on through when 
obviously, you know, for shooting for shooting the episode, there probably was another car with the production team to, to yeah, the cameras, and they came and said, "Hi, we're this, and that's Jerry Seinfeld, and okay, we're expecting all of you. We can see everything's fine." Right, but they made it through. seem like he just walked and in. It, but from the, the way they edited it, it just looks like Jerry Seinfeld just pulls up in a Corvette and just like just waves and drives straight on through. Like, hi, I'm Jerry Seinfeld, just, just driving straight up. Like he's just coming to visit his buddy, and and um, and then shows Obama at his desk in the Oval Office working, and and Jerry like pops up in in like behind outside the window behind him, just like knocks on the window, and he's like, "Hey, you want to get some coffee?" Oh my <laughs> and, god! And he's like, he wait, he like, you know, he just. It, Shoes him. He he points him over to there's like a door a few windows down and he comes over and he walks in and he's like oh you, you ready to go? He's like I just you know I'm just working on some stuff and Jerry just like he just like just lounges down on the couch and starts eating. It's it very much like something from Seinfeld, you know, where he he just picks up some fruit off the table and starts eating and he's like are these are these washed and. Like <laughs> he just starts asking questions and yeah and, and uh, did, so was it was the whole thing just in the Oval Office or did they actually eventually... they, they went out looked at the Corvette that Jerry had brought got in the car and just kind of like drove down the driveway and then got to the gate and the guy was like I, you're I'm not le- you're not leaving like I'm not just letting you leave and and so he's like all right and they pull back and then Obama showed him like this is. This is the beast, you know, Auto Force One, whatever the hell they call it. Yeah. Uh, he showed him, like, this is what I drive in. They just sat in that for a little bit. And and then uh, and then they ended up just in some little room in the White House. They just sit and, and you know, have some coffee and talk. And that's crazy. You know, that's crazy, the president, because I've always... Um you know, I, I've seen movies and stuff where the president will try to. I, you know what? It's, na- it's National Treasure Two, where the president, where you know he's with Nicolas Cage's character uh, yep. Ben Gates, yeah, and he's you know you've seen it, so he's showing him the room at the at the hotel, like hey, you know, let's go into this cavern, yeah, and you know the Secret Service keeps trying to follow him in. He's like, I'm, I'm just in here. Yeah, you, you could you could stay outside the door, and he's just like. Okay, but he keeps walking forward, and he's like, "No, no, I, I'm not. I'm fine in here. There's no terrorists in here." And he's like, "Okay." And the secret service guy just like keeps trying to follow him in. Yeah. Well, and 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 what's un- yeah the only thing that's unrealistic about that movie is the, those secret service guys would not would absolutely never allow a situation where they're actually separated from the president. Yeah, that, that that's it. Blows my mind that the president. You know, I understand dangers and stuff, but yep. then at certain times, but he just doesn't want anyone around. It's like, could you, <laughs> could you please? Like, I'm sure President Obama would love nothing more than to just drive off the lot with Jerry Seinfeld yeah. just for like 15 minutes to get away with nobody else around. Yeah, and they they actually do touch on that just a little bit, um, where he 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 asked him what Jerry asked him what. Um, you know what was the biggest drawback to being president, and he touched on that a little bit. And um, Jerry was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I know, but you know, come on, I've been not famous, and I've been famous, and you know, fame being famous is 
better. But it really, like, I was thinking about that a lot, that the 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 thing you lose, that even even some of the biggest celebrities in the world can still have a little bit of this, but when you're president of the United States, you lose spontaneity yeah. for the rest of your life. That's it. You I, never... I've thought about this before where... Yeah. Certain celebrities like Will Ferrell is is notorious for for a while being like one of the worst celebrities to try to get an autograph from. from. That's because yeah. so many people would try to like follow him into a bathroom and he would flip out. Yeah. Um, like but I'd imagine you just like, want to sit down. If and I was have a, breakfast. if I was a huge celebrity, I could easily still just find like a, a like a go to a few towns. Like you would still not be known by people. Yeah. You know, I'm sure. Someone like even Will Ferrell, for example, could go down south and go somewhere, and I'm sure there's people who just don't even know who the fuck he is. And yeah, at at some point that's got to happen. I'm not even talking about anonymity, though. I'm talking but about like he could go somewhere yeah, and not yeah. be bothered and have nobody following him. The president will never have that opportunity yeah. to even just be alone, like go somewhere and be alone. President Obama, one of the most powerful men in the world. Probably the like most powerful public wise. Yeah, he has a bunch of people that work for him that tell him no, you can't have what you want. You can't like <laughs> he can't just take a car and go. I'm going for a drive. Yeah, and not have somebody following him. Yeah, and as he put it, like he 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 will never have a time. He didn't say I will never. He said, I never get this, but, like, it dawned on me while he was talking about it. Like, he never will get this for the rest yeah, of his life. Secret where, Service still work for, like, Jimmy Carter and stuff, too, right? Yes, like, yes. And it's, you. he will never again be able to go outside, walk down the street, and bump into somebody that he he doesn't know and have a conversation with them. or Or even just run into an old friend at the mall. And be like, hey, how are you? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, what are you up to? Yeah, you're always going to be on Ev- a pedestal. Yeah, well, and, and every moment of your life is scheduled forever. Like, ev- everybody who you're going to spend any time with, it's thought about in advance by you and other people and scheduled. And and that's why beyond the—here's the one thing about being the, the president. Look at before and after photos. Yeah. Every president, even like George W. Bush, who I, I think has had the least amount of— Change from when he entered to how he exited. Oh, I disagree. But out of the Go ones, ahead. out of the ones I've seen, because mm-hmm. like you know, I've seen early photos of Clinton and from when he, you know, yeah, he got like kind of gray, mm-hmm. but I just didn't see that much of a change between George. You know, maybe I have to look at him again. But either way, every president look at when they entered office to when they exited. There, the amount of stress yep. you can see they they put on twenty years visually yeah. on their face and their hair. And, you know, you can think, like, the high-profile job being the president, the stress you must go through, even the little stuff. Yeah. You can't just, like, get up at night and go, oh, I'm going to go to the local 7-Eleven and get a Slurpee. Like, <laughs> you you wake up and think about getting a Slurpee, and there's some guy at your door with one. Like, it's... Right. And that sounds cool right now because we don't have that access, but then... When you're stuck with these people around you for the rest of your life and you're never going to have a day where yeah. you're able to just wake up and do whatever you want, it doesn't exist. Yep. doesn't exist. But what what the whole time what I was really thinking about while watching this 
is, like, I'm, I'm wondering, is Obama right now, is he, is, is he and some of his people who work for him, are they, like, on a mission to improve his, his public standing, like, improve what people think of him and his likability and all that? So that he leave, like, is he desperately trying to be well liked as he leaves office? Is it for him personally or whatever career? Like, pr- presidents do have careers after being president. A lot of it is just selling books and giving talks, but they ha- usually make more money after being president than they did being president. Yeah, it's hard to make deals when you're president. Like, when you're post <laughs> it's illegal to make deals when you're... Like, I meant like like book deals and I know. Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> illegal while you're in office. You to, can't like um write a I'm, book. I'm pretty sure it it is actually cuz cuz I mean just think about it. The president making a deal with one publisher like that's not just what's best for me. Like that's that's that publisher instantly that publisher, like, there, there'd be news about that and, like, people, you know, oh, that's the, pub, like, government-approved publisher or whatever. And it's, there's just, there, you really just almost can't have any new business as president, you know? Yeah. It, yeah. It's, um, and I'm, again, I'm not an expert. I'm not sure how illegal it is. But I just know, like you it's probably basically not, it's can't do like anything. A, a, like a not like an interest thing. Like you, yeah. it's not in the best interest. Yeah, to to do that while you're in the presidency. But but what I'm thinking, just what I can't. Are you talking about when you said is he trying to better his image, or if he's doing it for himself? Are you talking about doing these little things like the podcast, Marin Seinfeld? Uh, he's done, he's done a few other... He's probably, you know what, and this is kind of what got him into office was, you know, he was the first kind of internet president. Yeah. Where, he, I, I think he just wants to do cool shit. Well, I'm... The, and maybe there's somebody in his ear going, hey, you should record a podcast with this person or... Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. It. I mean, it definitely, for, for Marin, it wasn't like Mark Marin went out and w- and tried to make that happen that was something where they were like we need to um w- we need to get out to people you know other ways it used to be that every single family like the the parents at least watched the news every day yeah. an hour of your your local news and your your national news at least and sometimes international news Sit down. Everybody would watch that shit. Which which network you preferred didn't matter. You're watching the news, and so the president would, you know, make some speeches and, and do a few interviews with respectable news people, and and st- you know stuff would get out there. That people don't watch the news. I mean, when there's the 24 hour news channels, and there are people who are practically addicted to it. Um, well, now that you can. Um, There's just so like many ways. News, <laughs> news evolved from where you had to wait for it to come. Yeah. You know, in paper form. And then you had to wait for it to come in, in audio. And you had to wait for it to come in video. Mm-hmm. And then when 24 hours was on, you still had to wait for your certain show. Or if you preferred this one person. Or mm-hmm. you had to wait, you know. But then with the... 
with the beginning of the internet, it's just like, now there's no wait. Yeah. And I was thinking even with the, the murder show on Netflix, like, how Netflix has changed. It's just its own medium now, because it's just so yeah. different from television. But, like, with news, you know, it's just the way people absorb news is on such a different level than even 10 years ago. Yeah. But... And we like to be entertained by our news. We almost require it. So so comedians are actually giving us a lot more news, partly in large part because of The Daily Show. But we like we we look to be entertained as we get our news. And so anyway, I I just what what I really couldn't what I really want to know though is did, do they have a whole list of things that they're trying to hit? All right. And it, it could be for him personally afterward. It could be to give the Democratic Party a fighting chance coming into the next presidential election to boost the next, you know, Democratic I mean, I think, candidate's chances. I think chances. Donald Trump is doing that single handedly for them. <laughs> um, uh, but um, I think it's both. I think it's a it's a win win type of situation. I think. Even if Barack Obama doesn't isn't the one coming out and saying, "Hey, I want to record a podcast." Even if someone comes up to him and goes, "Hey, it would be really cool if you recorded a podcast." Oh, what's that? It's this. Oh, okay, that seems pretty cool. And you know, it puts my name out there for other like it, it'll get exposure. Yeah. So I don't think he even decides that himself. What that like? Which, I don't. I don't think he evaluates that. I think he just you know. Here's my PR team. They say this is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm doing it. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, but, the fact that he just seems open to it, and he, yeah. at least every time I've seen him in something like on a talk show, he he just seems to be definitely more involved. Like, um, but it doesn't matter. Whatever whatever he's doing it for. What I really want to know is, do they have a whole list of things they're doing? Yeah. Or. Was it like, okay, obviously we've done Daily Show kind of stuff for a while and, and you know, gotten our stuff out that way. We'll do Marin because that seems like a safe place. You know, that's a, he, they vetted him. Everything seemed fine. And was, was that going to be it? You know, do they have a whole list or did they do Marin and then Jerry Seinfeld was like, uh, excuse me, did you just go to Mark fucking Marin when I'm Jerry Seinfeld and I have a show? Like, what the, what the hell is wrong with you people? exactly what happened. Like, I really, I have, I, it probably, it probably is only in my mind that this ever could even happen, but I do have a, I prefer the fantasy that Seinfeld made this happen Rather than him being chosen as the next thing on a whole list of Obama people that he's probably hitting. a Seinfeld fan of the show. Maybe. It, it's I not don't out know. of the realm of possibility that he, he isn't. Yeah, well, it's it's not. Because it was on before he was president, so he could have been a, a fan watching. And then if Seinfeld got a hold of him or yep. somehow, you know, he was just like, oh, yeah, you know. Um, I, I would, doubt he uh, was an actual fan of Mark Maron. Oh, I'm not sure if he knew podcasts or anything, but that's what I'm saying. Someone could have just brought that up to him, his PR team, like, you should record a podcast with this person. But I find it so funny. I brought this up in the podcast before, I believe, but I think it's funny that Barack Obama, who we mentioned with the Secret Service, like, gets no 
privacy. Probably the Secret Service may have been in the room while the recording oh, was going oh, on. Oh, you don't... He, did you listen to the whole thing? No. Oh, my God. Mark Maron, he... He, as they were coming in, he started recording. He's like, "Oh my god! Like this is what's happening," and and like you guys don't even understand. Like they not only do they vet me, but like my neighborhood has been cleared out. Like I had to go around to all my neighbors and explain they're gonna be looking into your background, and if you don't, if you're not like absolutely squeaky clean, there's no chance you can even be in a house near me because he records in his garage. Yeah. Yeah. They, like, cleared out the whole neighborhood, like, just kicked people out of their own homes uh, so that the president could come into Mark Maron's garage and sit down, talk for an hour, and leave. Well, what I was bringing up is uh, Bill Gates was on The Nerdist. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Did you you ever listen to that episode? Uh, I don't think I listened to that one. And they, they went to his foundations, you know, like they were having a either like a party or a, like a thing yeah. and so they got to like oh we're gonna get to sit down with Bill Gates and talk about him so they were talking about the foundation for you know 10-15 minutes and inevitably you got um, you know you got Chris Hardwick and you have um, oh what's his face the the other guy not the one on um, the Comedy Central show I forgot his name um, Matt Mira yeah there you go so it's Chris and Matt Mira, the nerdist. You got Bill Gates in front of you. What are you going to start talking about? You're going to start talking <laughs> yes. about, you know, MS-DOS and yeah. this game. The, all right, there was like an old text-based adventure game. Like, yeah. what's that called? It's like a famous, uh, it's like a one-word famous um, text-based game. I forget. But they asked him, like, <laughs> did you play, have you ever played that? And, and Bill Gates didn't, like, stop then, like, hey, guys, we gotta keep talking about this. Yeah. He just went along with the conversation. And there was a guy behind him, or in the room, that works with Bill Gates, like, interrupting the podcast. Guys, we have to get back and talk about the foundation. And they're like, yeah, you know, this is how a podcast goes. It flows from part to part, and, you know, if Bill wants to, you know... And they were trying to be nice about it and basically tell the guy, like, shut the fuck up and let Bill talk. It's yeah. Bill Gates. If yeah. Bill wants to talk about that, he, he can. <laughs> and it was just, it was, because he did it twice, like two yeah. or three times. And I'm listening to this going, like, get the fucking guy out of the room so they could just talk to Bill Gates. And it was the most awkward conversation because you could tell Bill, you know, yeah, he wanted to talk about his foundation and the things they were doing. But when they were talking about, Computers. He was also interested in that, and there was yeah. a guy behind him telling him no. So that's why now you have the president, the most ultimate yeah. security, and he probably doesn't have anybody like telling him what to talk about. It just it was kind of a well, yeah. It's um, like, sir, you have to bring up what's going on. And yeah, well, no, I mean, there's a, there's a huge difference between security and 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 your PR people who try to manage, you know, what's perceived. And president definitely has PR people. But, but the you know the security is the aspect that he really can't control because there's it's one thing to disobey the president; it's another thing to to be the guy who got the president killed. You know, so yeah, yeah. so uh, you know when when it comes right down to it, there there is a you know the security people tell the president what he can and can't do. That's their job. He doesn't he doesn't get to to make the individual calls like that. Um, Even just having one PR person in that room to just, uh, 
uh, Mr. President, you have to talk about this, like yeah. interrupt the, the conversation. <laughs> the Bill Gates, God forbid. Um, but no, it seems like they're they're really they're finding people that are not going to come after him, like really and really play hardball on on like political issues. Um, that just want to talk, you know, just want to sit down and and talk about life, life, and and for him that life is what the hell is it like being president and. And, you know, I don't know that anybody, you know, and anybody in, in the position of Jerry Seinfeld or Mark Maron having an opportunity to interview the president and just, like, being told... On a more intimate level, because the, yeah. the only other times you ever see that are either um, actual political shows when you're running for president and then... Well, even then, you're, it, it, it is usually very carefully crafted. It's He's, very carefully crafted, but then the talk shows, which yeah. then are really carefully craft, crafted um, in front of a studio audience. Yeah. and yeah. Um, Whereas those type of conversations are just, you know, you're there. Definitely more in the Mark Mirren one. It's just, it happens, and it's you're there for an hour, and you're just talking. Yeah. And that's the most intimate conversation you're probably ever going to get out of the president unless he ever does another podcast which i would love for him to do nerdist um just to just to because i feel like it would just be as safe as as mark yeah but also to see what kind of nerdy things barack obama's into because i'm sure they would try to get out of him like hey have you ever played um dungeons and dragons have you ever done this like just to just to gauge and see yeah. where where he's at and he definitely. I think he was wearing an Apple Watch or some something similar. It might have been a different brand, but it was. It, he definitely was wearing some kind of smartwatch um, when he was. Because there, there was at the end of this thing with Seinfeld. He, he, the president actually got behind the driver's seat of the Corvette. Yeah. And they, you know, because Jerry was like, I, may, maybe they'll listen if you're driving. Like may, maybe if you talk and. And so, like he went, he went up to the gate, but it, they, you know, they did. Obviously, there's a lot of driveway around the White House, yeah. So they did do a little bit of driving, and and where the camera was, the way he had his hand on the thing, it was just like a close up. It was, if if I didn't know better, it, it I would think it was an actual specific product placement for. <laughs> Or the, the Apple Watch because it was like it's like taking up the lower third of the screen, just yeah. like a huge. Were they blocking the back seat? Um, no back seat. I don't think there's a back seat in, so in that Corvette. So definitely at least just it was Jerry it was just the two of them in the car. In the car. That's great. Um, That's more than probably Mark got because probably Secret Service around the I'm area. I'm sure. That I think they did at least have one Secret Service person in the room with them. When, in, in see, yeah. Oh wow. So Jerry definitely got the red carpet treatment of. Oh yeah! How close you are going to be alone with the president? Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah. So that's this was interesting. Not, yeah. not our usual topics, uh, but may, may I imagine this will this will happen again? But yeah, we didn't we didn't really have a topic this week, and it was kind of it's the it's our first episode of the new year, and just kind of a a, a grab bag of topics and yep. well like it used to know. be yeah know. yeah um it's actually uh i believe our joker episode which was the debut of our 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 real format for the show where we tried to at least choose a main topic um and get in depth with it uh that actually i believe was the second weekend or the second wednesday 
um, might have even been the third, but it was it was somewhere around the middle of January yeah. that we did that. So for us, this is the end of of our first real year of seriously podcasting. Season one. Yeah, we've got our classic episodes. We're prior to the the Joker. Yep. So, uh, I think that's what we call them on our website. We've got a whole like other category for those episodes, and then our our primary format started one year ago. From the next time we will be podcasting, yeah, give or take. Uh, so nice to to wrap up with a free form discussion. Awesome. Um, let's see. I don't know. You got anything else you want to want to chat about? Nah, I mean I pretty much exhausted everything that was on my mind today. Awesome. Then uh maybe we should just cut out the part where I ask about it, but who gives a shit? This will probably all stay in there. <laughs> who cares? Um gorilla. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh all right, I do um even though this seems like something we should have done last week, um, just you know, thinking suddenly thinking about it, this as kind of the end of our our first year of of serious podcasting. Um, I just want to thank everybody for that has listened, has been listening, um, and the 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 growth has been amazing, and uh, hearing from people has been amazing, and working with. Uh, Working with our fellow local podcasters, uh, I do. I want to give them another shout out. We had, um, again, we did the panel discussion with them. Check that out. That's on. That's part of the BNM. Uh, yes, episodes, right? Yeah. So the BNM Baked Podcasts. That's our friends Ryan and search, Mark. Search them on YouTube. There's two panel discussions that were done earlier in December. One came out right around Christmas. The other came out. Right around New Year's, one features myself, the other one features Nate and a few other different um, personalities around yeah. the area. Some podcasters, some not, but definitely like a uh, a good mixture of, yeah. of a lot of the experts or self-styled experts or knowledgeable people on the same kinds of things we like to talk about and branching out into some other areas. Um, so it's on YouTube if you want to see us on video and be disgusted. Um, <laughs> but uh, or you, it also is just part of the uh, the regular audio episodes of B and M Bake Podcast, which is on iTunes um, and on Podbean. Uh, so th- those guys have been great in helping um, to to create a lot of great content, and and it's been great working with them in our area. Uh, also, Brian of the B of BNM. Uh, they uh, Brian has been working on the Twin Peaks. What is it? Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Yeah, if you're a fan of uh, the Twin Peaks show, or if, if you've heard of it, you're not a fan. It might be a good way to get into it. Yeah. I, every I, episode go. Or every episode of their show goes through each episode of the show. Uh, it was leading up to the new season on Showtime, which I think's still next year, but um, still great show to get into. Uh, and and we look forward to working with with Brian again and B and M and Mark. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, 
finding some other local podcasters to kind of hook up with. Yeah. Not in the Netflix and chill way, but. Well, maybe I, yeah. I might, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's cool. And uh, some of our fans uh, have contacted us um, over the past year. We've read some emails uh on on the on an episode and yeah and talk yeah. back at you uh so you just heard from apparently we're 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 uh as we already knew i guess we're we're popular with uh with kids of all <laughs> ages um but just want to give a quick shout out to the most recent person to contact us not going to say your last name but a uh, kid named Asheen, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, and if I'm not, I apologize. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just it's nice to hear from people. Yeah, and uh, I don't think many. Uh, we're on Facebook. Search Beanholes. We're on Twitter. Um, email Beanholes at Gmail dot com. Send us whatever you got. Send, if you want to hear a topic, you'll you'll get the show dedicated to you. If you wanna, if you have a question for us, it'll get <laughs> that, answered. If we do get a flood of uh, of uh, topics, top, or a flood of contacts, we we're not gonna guarantee dedicating the show to to every single person that contacts us. But you'll be us, like but, the sponsor. I, I would yeah. say the first ten definitely get it. Yeah, um, sure. Why not? But uh, <laughs> but no. So I guess this one is uh, dedicated to Asheen for. The, uh, being the most recent person to contact us. Um, so, hi, buddy. Hey uh, there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's see. And who's going to be next? We'll find out. Keep on beaning. Harry Camden.